Welcome fellow wanderers to The Forest Path, a podcast about the journeys we take to discover our true selves and our creativity, and the uncertainty and fears that can accompany us on the way. I'm Julia Mazzola, your inner forest guide. Today's conversation is with Telly's Burton, a creative coach and writer. Tilly shares her story of feeling burnt out from her creativity and learning how to reconnect with it. We talk about artist dates, journaling, and much more. Let's begin. Hi, Telis. I am so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with me. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so excited to talk about everything. For people who don't know who you are, can you give a little introduction to yourself? Yes, so I am a creativity coach. I help artists and creatives to reconnect with their creativity, make their art, and build the creative life of their dreams. I'm also an internationally published award-winning writer and a multi-passionate creative. So I'm just everything art and creativity in a nutshell. That's me. (laughs) That is so brilliant. Also, a lovely set of titles. I love multi-passionate creative as well, because so often we try to fit ourselves down into kind of one title when the world of creativity is so large that really we just want to play around in it, don't we? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I definitely used to feel like I could only fit into one focus, um, one facet of art and creativity, like I had to have a focus on one. But I've really found over time that I enjoy working in different formats. I'm a creative. So I enjoy creating in in a lot of different forms. And um, yeah, I, I love being able to express myself through different facets of creativity. It's the best. And would you be able to share a bit of your journey of leading up to becoming a creative coach? I've always been obsessed with storytelling and with writing. Like from a very young age, I was an avid reader and it'd been my dream from a very young age to become a a novel writer, a fiction writer. So around the end of high school, I decided to take the big decision, the big leap and and pursue my, my creative dreams. I was facing a lot of resistance at the time in high school um, because, you know, there are big questions of what are you going to do next? What are you going to do with your life? And of course, I, I wanted to do something that I loved, but also something that I knew would be helpful to me, something that would make money, you know, and things like that. So I was facing a lot of resistance from people saying, well, I don't really know if creativity is the path for that then, you know, there's a lot of societal stigma on creatives and artists, like it's only for the talented few and you'll be a starving artist, you won't make money. But I decided to make the decision despite all that resistance to pursue my passions because it's my calling, it's what I wanted to do. And I went into uni with the goal of writing and publishing my first novel. I thought four years, definitely enough time to write and publish a first novel, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't know. Um, But what ended up happening was I never worked on on a novel. I never worked on the novel that I was planning to write. I barely created for myself during those four years. And I became more creatively blocked over time going through the degree. And when I graduated, I was more creatively blocked than I had ever been in my entire life. I had no idea what happened (laughs) or what I was going to do. I graduated feeling completely stressed out, very lost as to what I was going to do next because my plan of having this book to start my author career didn't work out. And I moved back home in debt from the degree 
stressed out, blocked, burnt out, completely confused as to what was next. And that was at the end of 2018. So start of 2019, I was in a very lost place. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure what was going to happen next. I was starting to fill out job applications for, for jobs that I knew were unfulfilling to me, jobs I knew that were going to be unsatisfying for me, but I felt as though I had no other choice mm -hmm. um, because I felt I had, to, I had to do something. I had to move forward in some type of way. And despite that, I still felt this calling to my creativity I still felt this deep love for my creativity and I wanted to reconnect with it. So once again, I made a big decision and um, I decided to take the year off to really focus on recovering and reconnecting with my creativity. I'm really getting back to what I love and doing what I love because it was my passion and it's what I wanted to do more than anything. So I spent 2019 researching everything I could about art and creativity, everything about recovering, um, reconnecting with your art and creativity, um, learning how to find the joy in creating again, stuff about perfectionism, everything under the sun. And in November of 2019, I ended up writing 20,000 words in that one month of the first draft wow. of my novel. I managed to do something in one year that I hadn't done in like the four years that I'd been in my creative degree for creative writing <laughs> and which was completely ironic I, I was I was completely shocked so the end of 2019 I really sat there thinking to myself why is it that I was able to do in one year on my own with my own research what I couldn't do in four years at my university what is it that I learned here that I didn't learn there and I really started to, to tease that out, to figure that out. And I thought, this, this is what I needed to know. This stuff, it's missing. It was missing in my degree. And this is what I needed to know. This is what creatives and artists need to know. So I started coaching some creatives and artists at the start of 2020. And I was just doing it for free to see if it was even a viable thing, if it would actually work for other people or if I was just going crazy. Um, <laughs> and we had the most amazing transformations. People who'd been through years of creative abuse, creative criticism, who'd been um, rejected for their creativity and art, people who hadn't created in years were suddenly finding the joy in creating again, were creating consistently, were finishing first drafts of different creative projects. It, it was transformative and it really opened my eyes to the fact that what I had learned in that one year was more impactful to artists and creatives than what I had spent thousands of dollars on and four years of my time and energy on in that degree. And I knew that this was something that I, that I could bring to the world, that I could bring to artists and creatives. So I decided to take the plunge, launch my, my own creative business and start coaching artists and creatives on, on what they needed to know to help them reconnect with their creativity and make their art and build that creative life of their dream. Wow, what a amazing journey. Gosh, I wanna I wanna tease out so many of these of these stories that are within that. I would love to actually hear a little bit more about how you felt losing your creativity during your university period. Because it sounds like you were kind of full of it in your high school time and and it was really going for the creative writing degree that 
made you lose sight of it. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. So you're completely right, spot on. In high school, I, I was creatively abundant. I was writing all the time, um, working on stories and creating different things. And when I was in uni and I really started to lose my my connection to my creativity, you know, I would sit down to write and I would just stare at the screen, stare at the page and nothing would come out. I would have no- nothing to put out. And not only that, but if I did try to, to start writing something, I would edit the first few lines and I wouldn't get anywhere with it. So um, it never felt like it was good enough. It never felt like it was going anywhere. I never felt like anything was right. I realize now that it was all very much perfectionism. A lot of what I was fighting was perfectionism and a very loud inner mm-hmm. critic. And it made creating extremely difficult and frustrating for me. I was feeling a lot of frustration, a lot of stress at the time because I would still manage to create for my assignments, for my classes, even though that was uncomfortable and very difficult for me to do over time. I was still Mm -hmm. able to do that. But then when it came to creating for myself, it was full on impossible um, because I I couldn't allow myself to create. I had to force myself to create to get the grade, but I couldn't force myself to create just for for me. I didn't know how to create in a non-forceful way. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, that was a lot of what was going on at the time. You mentioned that you you believe, looking back, a large part of it is perfectionism and your inner critic rearing its head there. What do you think it was about the university, the degree environment that brought that up that wasn't there during your high school years? There's a lot there for sure. with the, the university environment, you know, with school environment in general, like whenever you're creating something for a class, whenever you're writing something for a class, you're putting it out to be graded. Somebody mm-hmm. is looking at it and telling you whether it's an A or an F on the scale based on their, frankly, their opinion. But when it comes to art and creativity, it's a very subjective thing. And for someone to tell you whether or not your art is good or whether or not you're talented, basically through this A to F system, that for me led to a lot of that perfectionism where I felt like even if I was struggling, if I managed to get the A, then I did well enough. But then, of course, when it came to creating for myself, I couldn't do it because there was a level of criticism for myself to work through where it needed to be perfect or a worthy Um, but also when you're creating for yourself there's no one there to validate your work for you there's no one there to grade it for you so I was just battling my own unrealistic expectations and standards and never feeling like I could reach the place where I felt good with my art because I wouldn't I wasn't allowing myself to feel um, good about my art Um, And that's where a lot of that perfectionism, I think, came from for me was the grading process and how how that infiltrated my creativity, making me criticize everything, judge everything, look at everything with an analytical eye instead of with a creator's eye. Mm, Yeah, I completely agree when you're so used to being in kind of institutionalized spaces, you forget that there are so many other ways to appreciate and view anything really but especially creativity and you start to think that there is just this one way 
to grade your paper, essentially. <laughs> exactly. When when that is not the case, what really drew me to your your message in your writing actually was this focus on making your creative work a joyous experience and bringing back the joy to creativity. Was it your main focus when you were spending that year trying to reconnect with your creativity or was this something that kind of came out of it accidentally? Yes, this was definitely an accidental discovery for me because I knew that I just wanted to get back to creating, but I didn't realize at the time that joy was such a big part of the creative process for me and I think for any artist and creative a lot of times when you're working on big creative projects, you want to um, make sure you're taking them seriously so you can keep, complete them and like so they reach a certain standard, um, so they resonate with another person and they're meaningful. And when you get bogged down in that, that sort of critical eye, it takes away from the joy of creating. And so it was an accidental discovery for sure, getting back to playing with my creativity again, just letting myself make a mess and, and express myself without any sort of judgment or critique, just allowing myself to let go and enjoy the experience. It was accidental, but it was transformative. And I think it's an integral part of the creative process. Mm, I completely agree. The idea of kind of re-sparking curiosity in the creative process, I think is so crucial to rediscovering your joy of it. What did you experiment with during this year that helped you to reconnect with your creativity? I was reading a lot, of course, at the time <laughs> <laughs> about creativity, about creative recovery. So I read books like The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, which talks a lot about creative recovery and Big Magic um, by mm. Elizabeth Gilbert. Those are two great creative books. At first, I really started experimenting with other forms of art and creativity. So I kind of took a break from writing, which was my main focus at the time. And I started getting into into other things like watercolor, even though I'm not like particularly like well versed in it or an expert in it. I, I let myself doodle and get into watercolor, sing and dance and just kind of play with other forms of creative expression. And I really got into the habit of doing doing this activity called the artist date where you take 30 minutes a week and do something that you enjoy doing. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be creative, just something that you enjoy doing and just allowing yourself to to take some time each week to just let yourself get lost in fun and play and enjoyment all of that really helped to spark my imagination my curiosity my joy in my cre with my creativity and with my art again and I still do artist dates to this day it's an integral part of my practice so yeah yeah that, that's a lot of what I played with what has been one of your favorite artist dates oh that's such a good question Oh, there's so many good ones. I would say that there was one artist state where I, I, I'm a big fan of Taylor Swift. I became like a recent mm -hmm. fan, like within this year. I love, I love her music. I was listening to her albums and I was doodling just based off of her albums, just listening to the music and doodling to the music. And I made this, this beautiful like piece of art out of it. Just this huge, this huge page of doodles based off of all these songs that I loved off of her albums. And it, it was such a freeing experience to just get lost in something that I enjoyed listening to while also creating at the same time. Mm -hmm. 
um, I love yeah. her latest folklore album. Oh, I have oh. actually done something similar as well, kind of a mini artist date where I just played that album on repeat and just wrote about anything that came to mind. It was really fun, kind of creating little folklore pieces of my own. Yes, so, yes. Oh, so I, love I love that. I love that I love idea. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. Um, and I, I recommend doing that for whatever artist, you know, that you, you enjoy listening to. doesn't have to be Taylor Swift, but uh, that was definitely one of the funny, funnest um, artist dates I've ever had. And um, Big Magic, an excellent book as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I use the word myself quite frequently because I really connect to it. But the, the word magic to kind of describe the creative process, do you have your own personal understanding of that word and what it means to you? I think that the creative process is very magical. I 100% agree with you. Magic to me is taking an idea, taking something that has no tangibility to it, um, bringing something to life. That is completely magical. Taking an idea and making it exist in the physical world, I don't think there's anything more magical than that. And would you be able to talk me through your creative process now? Um, yeah, so my creative process is different for the different projects that I'm working on. But I will say that I create a sustainable creative habit for any project that I'm working on. I come up with an amount of time that I want to work on the project each week. And I try to stick to that habit throughout the week. And I always make sure to go into each creating session with no expectations for how the session will go. I never give myself a word count that I have to reach by the end of the session. So I never say I need to write 500 words a day. I always go into it saying I'm going to show up for my art and for my creativity for this amount of time. And whatever happens during the session happens because the creative process, it's it's so messy. It's just, <laughs> there's so many things that happen. One minute you're writing, the next minute you've got an idea and you're just like lost in thought brainstorming, you know, or you're editing. It's just... There's, there's a lot that can happen in the creative process. So I allow my sessions to play out how they play out. And I just make sure that I show up to mm-hmm. them um, and build that like trust in myself, knowing that regardless of what happens in the session, I'm going to show up. And that takes a lot of the pressure and stress off of having something done each time. It just allows mm-hmm. me to, to let go and enjoy Um, That's something that I do regardless of the project that I'm working on. Trying to lose expectations around around the creative process is so valuable in allowing you to to show up for your work, exactly like you said, because otherwise it becomes a stressful and pressure filled experience and you show up to your desk or anything. And if you don't meet that word count or that expectation, then you think of that day as a failure when in reality, you've just learned something else about yourself or about that project that might need to be learned. It all sounds quite wonderful, to be honest. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, yes. <laughs> do you ever have, do you still have moments of self-doubt or issues in the creation process? Oh, definitely, definitely. It's not to say that that there aren't moments of hardship or frustration. Um, I'll give an example with this. So the project that I'm working on right now is what I hope to be my debut fantasy novel. And I have technically had this idea for about seven years now. 
right? And I'm still working on draft one. So <laughs> I think you can already hear it a little bit in my voice. There are moments where, you know, you can get frustrated with the process. Why isn't this character talking to me? Like, why am I not figuring out this scene, et cetera, et cetera. There are moments where things can get stressful and where I can start to doubt um, that this story is ever going to come into existence or that I have the ability to bring this into existence. But I, I always remind myself in those moments that this is a process and that it's okay, that it's messy. And I've learned to trust in my creative ability because I, I know that I'll show up regardless mm -hmm. of, of what happens in the sessions. I always know that I'll show up and I'll come back and I'll continue to play each time and experiment. And when you know that, when you trust that, then it's inevitable, you know, that you will eventually complete the project because you know that you'll show up for it. So the product will come, you know, it's just allowing yourself to enjoy the process along the way. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of what I do in those, in those tough moments, which I definitely, definitely have. I think everybody has those moments. So yeah, and I think the trusting yourself comes from like keeping those promises yes. to yourself over time. But during your year when you were experimenting, how did you build that trust going forward? It took me a while to get to that point where I trusted to that level. I will say that with my journey, I've always kind of come back to my art and creativity. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I will say is that when I hadn't had this string of, of habits that I was following, you know, when I hadn't been consistently showing up for a year, I always had this knowing that regardless of, of my fear or my doubt, I still wanted to create. I still always had that want to create, that, that curiosity with creativity and it's that want that that want despite all the resistance despite all the fear despite feeling lost and confused or frustrated and stressed the fact that the want was still there regardless in the end that always reminded me that this was something that I should continue to follow anyway this is something that I at least trust is something for me it was always a a calling and the mm. fact that it was always calling to me, despite any sort of issue, the fact that it always came back, even if we had to take a, a break for a moment, um, <laughs> you know, the fact that it, that it did eventually yeah. come back and it was there, it led me to trust a little bit at the beginning. It gave me that little bit of trust that, that this was still something for me and this was still something I could tap into and this was still something that I wanted. So it was something that I could do this uh, debut novel idea that you've been carrying with you so far for seven years. Yeah. I, I read in one of your Instagram posts that you, you, you shared that uh, one of your novel centers on the idea that even though you can't control the things that happen in your life, you can control how you react to it and what you decide to do next. And it's a story about the power to choose. Is this this particular novel? Yes, that is this novel. That, that idea has been with me this entire time and it's a great passion of mine it's a story that I've always that as soon as I had the idea I've always wanted to write it how did the seed become what it is becoming today yeah so I I originally got the idea 
because I was going through something quite personal at the time. Um, in high school, I started to develop an, an illness and I, I didn't know it at the time. It took years for me to, to finally get a diagnosis on it. And even then I was very resistant to it. But I got the idea because I was beginning to deal with this illness, I was beginning to deal with symptoms with my body kind of caving in on me in certain ways. Mm. And I had no control over that. I had no control over this illness and what it was doing to me. And I was in a place where I was feeling very vulnerable with what I was going to do um, because it was really starting to impact my life. And I started to look to a lot of stories in my own life of, of characters, of people who had autonomy, who had independence in their stories, who who had that power to choose. Mm -hmm. And I was really inspired by those, by those stories. And I wanted to create a story that really showcased that, you know, you might think that you're in a situation where you have no control and it's okay if there are things that are outside of your control, but that doesn't mean that you can't control your own reactions and what you decide to do to do next. So that's where the idea first started to come from. I had this idea of, a girl very much like myself who developed an illness um, mm. during her life. And it was a magical illness, of course, because I love fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and I just started to play with this character, this girl who developed this magical illness and she had no, it just destroyed her life and she had no idea what to do afterwards. And she had to learn how to pick up the pieces and really discover that she had so much power in her ability to choose what she could do next. So that's where the seed came from. And it's something that I've carried with me for the longest time because it's so near and dear to my heart. I've lived, I think, a life where I've learned how to continuously choose and like rise up in that power to choose what I decide to do next. And that's why it's, it's a theme that I really want to share in a story. It's something I really want to pour out into the world um, and inspire people with or motivate people with because I think it's something that something that's very important I can't wait to read that I mean I'm really looking forward oh, to um, thank you. just seeing how where however it manifests itself I loved that when you wrote that in your Instagram post because I really do think so much of what creatives struggle with is the timing of our creative work and how sometimes it really doesn't go as we want it to go and it doesn't yes. go as planned yes. <laughs> and there's nothing we can really do about it in the moment except for choose how we react to it and do you have any particular grounding practices or anything that you do to kind of help you when things aren't going as you had planned Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. This is something that I practice a lot, especially in that one that one year where I really needed it. I do a lot of grounding practices, um, a lot of things to help me get back to the present moment, because a lot of times when you're in those situations, you're you're either upset about the past and how things didn't work out or anxious about the future because you don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> and two things, two things that I really do for grounding is um, I go into nature a lot. Nature grounds me um, in a very, a very big way. Just seeing that there are just animals scurrying around that I have no idea what my problems are. Just kind of reminding myself that I'm still in this vast space on this 
rock floating in space, just kind of giving myself that perspective and kind of grounding me back in like where I am right now in this very moment. Nature was a very big one for me and meditation as well. Um, just allowing me to quiet my mind. <laughs> it's Meditation is another great grounding practice. I use that all the time, still to this day. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I definitely learned how to be a lot more relaxed about my creative process when I lived in Scotland and can kind of escape into the wilderness <laughs> whenever yes. I wanted to. <laughs> it yes. made, a big, made a big difference. To not being so afraid when stuff wasn't coming out on the page and meditation as well for me. I think it's one of those it's one of those practices that really allows you to pay attention to your thoughts and not get so caught up in the feelings that are happening so you don't get completely swept away with them. Yeah. If for me it's a big meditation is a is a big way for me to to let go. I, I usually don't even think about a specific thought. I kind of just let my mind calm down because a lot of times for me at least I face like um, an overwhelm when things aren't working right and I get a little antsy and so the meditation really just helps to let the mind quiet let the thoughts quiet down and to allow myself to just relax so then when I open my eyes again I just look around I'm like oh nothing's actually on fire like I felt like it was two <laughs> seconds ago <laughs> you know like <laughs> this is great yes. <laughs> yeah yeah one of the things that really forces us to try and force that control of the situation is the that overwhelm of feelings and we're often unable to accept actually where we are in that moment and we compare ourselves so much to what we perceive as this kind of supposed normal what are your thoughts on dealing with comparison yes yeah, so comparison is big especially for artists and creatives because um there, there's so much that you could compare, of course, you know, you could compare like the the way that um, you create your art in the first place, you know, how long you're working on your projects, what projects you're working on, um, how things are turning out, all these different types of things. And what I really focus on with myself and with my clients when it comes to comparison is to recognize that that you are you are completely unique. Your art is unique and special because you are completely unique and special. Nobody can create what you can create because no mm -hmm. one is you. No one's had your specific life experiences. No one has been through exactly what you have been through. No one is exactly how you are. Mm -hmm. And so the way you spin your art and creativity is completely unique because you are completely unique. And so comparing what one person is creating to like what another person is creating is just it's it's comparing completely different things because you're just you're such a unique individual that your art is unique regardless um regardless of if it's in the same subject or if it's in the same creative form it's unique because of what you decided to do with it yeah and I always try to remind myself as well whenever I kind of get lost in those thoughts that I I am also a big lover of fantasy novels and I can never get enough of pretty much the same kind of stories every that is single so time. True. <laughs> yes, I'm the same way. <laughs> it's like I really just want to read roughly the same thing set in a different place. <laughs> in a different place with different characters. It, it just it doesn't even I, need that big of a spin and you fall right into it. You're like, this is the greatest book I have ever this is so good, you know, and you say that for like every single one because you love them all. 
exactly like you say, there is no one else doing your work like you are. Exactly. And also, even if it is similar, that's not that's not bad because there's people out there who love that thing. Yes, <laughs> yes, just for want sure. More of it and your sure. point of view of it as well. I am sure your clients have learned so much from you uh, through working with you. Is there anything that you have learned from your clients? Um, One of the biggest things that I've learned from my clients is that compassion is one of the most essential parts of, of the creative process of creativity and art. So many of us deal with um, comparison, with perfectionism, with all different types of creative blocks. And it's because we're coming from a very um, critical space. We're coming from a very harsh space um, with ourselves, with our creativity, and with our art. And compassion is is the key to in, to enjoying your creativity again, to creating more. I've seen people blossom because they they learned how to how to support and encourage and motivate themselves, how to be gentle and kind and compassionate with themselves. Um, where they once were very much the opposite. Compassion is is such an essential part of the process. And that's something that I, I definitely learned from my clients is that if you want to create, you have to be kind to yourself when you're creating, kind to your art when you're creating it. Um, the compassion is the key. Yeah. It's so, so true and so underrated, I think, to yes. be gentle on yourself. Because yes. we are taught that if you're not working hard enough, mm-hmm. you won't achieve what you want to achieve. And of, and of course, there is, there is benefit to being disciplined and having habits and everything. But all of that can still come while being gentle with yourself. Now that you've, that now that you've put it into words, that, that is really something that I have cultivated over the past few years with myself as well. And I think it really does come with time showing up for your work as well. The more you kind of experience it and give yourself that space, the more gentle that you allow yourself to become with the process as you really start to witness it. Is there anything that you have found has particularly helped you cultivate that compassion with yourself in your work? I would say uh, journaling is a big one for me. Mm-hmm. Journaling allows me to do a lot of a lot of self-reflection. And I know that journaling isn't necessarily for everyone, but just allowing yourself the time to to reflect and be introspective, regardless of how you decide to go about that, I think is really important because sometimes just getting the thoughts out, um, just getting out what it is that Maybe you're not being very compassionate with yourself in the moment. You know, maybe you're facing doubts or worries. You're, you're afraid of something. Um, you're mad about something, you know, with your art and creativity. Getting it out, venting it out, and then allowing yourself to come in with a compassionate voice afterwards, which is what I do with my journaling. Mm. Just coming in and saying, okay, I know you're frustrated with this. I know you're sad because this didn't work out. I hear you, I understand what you're saying, and I empathize with your experience, and I, I love you all the same, and I support you all the same, and I encourage you all the same, and I know that you can do this all the same. You know, just coming in 
and getting out whatever it is that you need to get out and then allowing yourself to come in with the compassion afterwards through journaling, that has been a big transformative compassionate practice for me. It's something I practice regularly. Mm, I love journaling and yeah, the writing a kind of letter to my inner child is one of my favorite journaling practices and it's yes. usually always cloaked in being gentle and compassionate to the little me inside that is wanting validation usually. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. I love that you say that. I love that you say that because a lot of times when I'm journaling, I like to look at it from the perspective of I'm talking to a younger form of myself. Mm -hmm. I like to look at it from the perspective of, especially when I'm feeling frustrated with my art and I'm really struggling, I like to almost write as if I'm, I'm talking to my younger self. Like I'm venting, I'm saying all the crude things that I'm thinking to my younger self. And then I stop and I really look at, okay, I'm saying all these terrible things to this little girl who just wants to create something that mm -hmm. she enjoys. That's it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How can I be compassionate to her instead? Because a lot of times it's hard for you to think about how to be compassionate with yourself. But when you look at it from the perspective of, okay, there's this child that I'm screaming at right now with <laughs> criticism <laughs> and all she wanted to do was write a story, you know, yeah. then, then you can be like, okay, how do I be nice to this girl now? That was really mean, you know, like that, that's really helpful. Seeing yeah. it from like the idea of this little inner artists that you're talking to yeah and there's because children are so magical like that they just they're so good at just creating for creation's sake without any expectations and any fear they just kind of enjoy making the mess you know exactly yeah <laughs> and tapping into that is such a valuable part of it which is which is why I think the artist date and I loved that you mentioned yours was essentially doodling because that yes. is something that everyone can do and is so I have textbooks filled with doodles from school days <laughs> right yes <laughs> and for some reason it becomes less acceptable as a form of art when actually it is so valuable to be able to tap into that creative flow as well a lot of times when I give the the exercise to my clients, they're like, well, I don't really know what to do on my artist dates, you know? Mm -hmm. And I always give them this prompt of, okay, sit down and write down 10 things that you enjoy doing or 20 things that you enjoy doing. And they stare at me completely stunned. They're like, I don't have 20 things that I enjoy doing. What are you talking about? <laughs> and and, and I really, I'm really encouraging with them. I tell them like, listen, you definitely have 20 things that you enjoy doing. You gotta trust me. You're gonna have to sit down and really think about it. But I swear to you, there's mm -hmm. 20 things you enjoy doing. It's just that you haven't allowed yourself to be silly with what you enjoy doing for a while. You know, you see it as like, oh, this is a childish, a silly thing. Like mm -hmm. I'm not, I, I don't do this anymore because I'm an adult. And um, it's really allowing yourself to get back to those childlike ways of enjoyment, just allowing yourself to, to freely enjoy something. Mm -hmm. It, it re-sparks the imagination in a way that's very reminiscent of how you were as a child. Mm -hmm. Without it needing to be productive as well. Exactly. I think that's one of the... Yeah. yeah, that's one of the major caveats is I feel a lot of times people don't want to spend time on something unless it's going to be kind of, quote, worth it. Mm -hmm. And what does that really mean? 
<laughs> really? Um, yeah. I feel like it's, I, as I've gotten older as well, it's so valuable to learn, to know how to be silly. And one of my favorite things to do to, to really bring out my inner silliness is actually just dancing in the kitchen. Yes, <laughs> I love that. Yes. Do you have a favorite silly thing to do? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. There's so many. Okay. I, I thought of one immediately. So this mm-hmm. is definitely it. Um, I, I love hula hooping. I love hula hooping. I have a hula hoop at home. I have a younger sister, so she she and I, like, we hula hoop all the time. And I used to be, like, a really good hula hooper, you know, something that I really <laughs> hyped up when I was younger in elementary school. I'm the best hula hooper. I can hula hoop, like, three of these at once. Like, <laughs> challenge me, like, you know? <laughs> and, Amazing. <laughs> and yeah, so I really enjoy just whipping out a hula hoop sometimes and hula hooping just randomly just for fun and enjoyment it's something totally random that I feel like a lot of people do not do as an adult but it's really fun it's one of the silliest things I do and I I love it I love it I really hope that people (laughs) listening are now thinking about their favorite silly thing to do and if you are listening please go and do a silly thing (laughs) yes please go and do a silly thing I swear you'll love it you'll love it (laughs) so I I feel like I could talk to you forever um, at the moment but I would like to ask (laughs) the question that I ask everyone on this podcast uh, which is what advice would you have for those that are currently feeling lost on their own forest path I think I'm gonna give advice that I really needed at the time um, when I was feeling really lost and hopefully it resonates with some people it's to be compassionate with who you are and where you are right now for me, when I was in that space, I, I was anxious about the future, stressed about the future. I was mad about the past or sad about the past, and I wasn't happy with where I was in the present. And it made it very difficult for me to see a way forward because I was sitting in negative emotions everywhere I looked. And so what was really important to me and what really helped me not only to move forward, but also to just, to just enjoy more and to feel better despite feeling lost, was to be compassionate with who I was in the present moment and where I was presently. It doesn't have to be perfect right now. It doesn't have to be where you want to be. You don't have to be who you want to be necessarily, but accepting where you are and being compassionate with yourself regardless, being gentle and kind and encouraging and supportive of yourself regardless, you know, making sure you're taking care of yourself, making sure you're taking time for yourself, space for yourself to reflect and be silly and have Mm -hmm. fun and have good moments of joy and just allowing yourself to be brave and accepting where you are now and in being compassionate with where you are now and who you are now. That's the best piece of advice I think I can give to someone who's lost right now. Yes. Oh, I love that. I always, I always say the first step is the awakening. You first have to realize where you are before you can do anything about it. And that is, and I think that is beautifully put with finding compassion for where you are in that moment. Such great advice. Uh, I I am sure people will want to hear more from you. So where can they go to learn more? Yeah. So if you want to connect more with me, you can find me on Instagram um, at writer rambles. 
Um, I have tons of content on there about creativity and art. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want to talk more, just send me a DM. I'd love to talk with you and we can chat about all things art, creativity, the silly stuff, the fun stuff, whatever you'd like. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed today's conversation, please share it with a friend and subscribe. It helps people find it and means a great deal to me. And if you are looking for some gentle guidance on your own forest path, I offer intuitively selected tarot-guided journal prompts to explore what comes up on the creative journey. You can find this at patreon.com forward slash juliawrites, or you can read more about my work at my website, juliawrites.com. Until next time, wanderers.